This is Homie and the Dude, the father and son MMA and TTRPG podcast and destination for the best NPCs across all of the planes. You're watching D&D Diaries today. And, wait, uh, wait. How do you usually say it? D&D Diaries. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're watching D&D Diaries today and uh, today's a fun one. We're talking about uh, the uses of uh, playing your game in a sandbox world as opposed to playing it in a more linear kind of style. Um, and just how that can be helpful in some ways and the pros of playing in sandbox and the cons of kind of playing in sandbox and kind of talk about how that ends up and, and talk about it from a DM's and a player's perspective as well. Um, so for me, I find that uh, sandbox is really a, a really great way to really immerse your players because you can keep the world alive around them while they make their own decisions and it makes them really feel immersed in a place that's active and alive and, and moving around them while they're also making decisions. Um, but that's just one small aspect of sandboxing, you know, uh, from the DM's perspective at least. Um, there's mountains of different reasons why you would do a sandbox and why you could do a sandbox. Um, but I want to ask you more, what do you enjoy about playing a sandbox because I've done poor I, we've we've done it where as I've progressed I've played some pretty linear stuff for you guys and we've also done a lot of like open more open sandbox open world kind of stuff um what what is it about that that you've enjoyed or not enjoyed when I've done that yeah so as I've evolved as a player I think my preference is to role play, to get, to have enough space to interact with other players, to get a little bit of the nuance of those interactions. And I feel like when we aren't sandboxing, when we're clipping forward on a, on a mission, you know, getting closer to whatever the bad guy is, or whatever the, the eventual like objective is, there's less room, there's less space. And I really am starting to find that I enjoy the space a little bit more. And mm. so I think a sandbox, allows for just you know like walking down a road and being like yo so like tell me a little bit more about yourself like i got a little bit when we met in the bar mm. but like what's your story yeah that type of thing you know I, I agree with you in that like it feels like when you're clipping along with plot that is the main thing like everyone's worried about you know what information do we need for the next thing what do we need to know what mm. do we need to do what do we need where do we need to be who do we need to meet you know that kind of thing as opposed to like you said getting to know each other and forming bonds and stuff um, which is why downtime is a, a really important part of it but also having that ability to you know meander away from main plot every now and then through a sandbox is really really important and i i agree with you entirely it opens that up massively i also think you know it just allows for and this is a preference for some players and not for others for me i do feel like i want to be creative i want to be uh if i want to be silly you know and i want to you know go to get my shoes mended or find some like try to investigate how I can fix my sword or get some new costume or whatever. You know, I mm. want to go play a game in the park. Mm. It just feels like I can, I can allow that playfulness to come out a little bit more and not feel as constrained as yeah, a non-sandbox environment. I, I would agree with that. And also it, allows you, it also allows you to find plot in places you don't find. Like something Tom and I were talking about leading up to this episode is... You know, how when you run a sandbox, it can either be kind of stagnant because your players aren't really finding much plot and, you know, they've opened a bakery and are just running the bakery day in and day out. And don't get me wrong, some shenanigans happen at the bakery, but, you know, 
through and through, you know, uh, it, it can be that that could be quite a boring situation. So it's a balance, isn't there? A hundred percent. And I think, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those things though, where if your players want to make a sandbox, a really amazing campaign and a real amazing plot, they will seek out, you know, interesting NPCs. So if they're like, oh, we need work, they might be like, oh, you know, maybe we'll go ask like the criminals, like, or, you know, maybe we'll go ask the guards, you know, see if they need anyone. And then they join the Imperial Guard and they get sound, you know, it allows for, if you have players that are really keen and really interested and aren't so much wanting to be led, yeah, that's like another thing. If you have players that are really like almost alphas, like players that are like very good at making decisions and good at like uh, choosing things, which not all players are. Some are more passive and, and uh, are happy to go with like the consensus or um, be led a little bit more by the DM. Uh, however, if you have really strong players, it's often a really good way to do it because they will seek out that overarching plot that exists in this world. Um, f by just searching out those things, those in people in the world and interacting with things. It's almost like the fringes of maybe the actual main plot are areas that at times, if it is too directed, we don't have time to explore, you know, secondary or third level characters. But in, and, and so I, I think it's also important just to define when, when I think of sandbox, I think both sort of like geographically, but also elements of that are in, you know, how driven the plot is. And mm. so I do think sandbox can include and should include a very strong narrated plot behind the scenes. You know, there, mm. there has to be some sort of objective, I think, or else we can, we can dick around for, you know, sessions and sessions and that can be kind of, kind of end up being over, overly silly. I agree with you. But agree. It, and it, it's, it's about keeping the world alive while if the players are happy to just, you know, open a bakery. Well, you know, what does that mean if this empire has started a war with this empire, you know, and this yeah. is going on, you know, what kind of contention has that got? For example, in our world, there's a lack of water and parts of the vegetation and like stuff that humanoids need to survive, food and stuff like that um, is starting to disappear. So. If the players did just own a bakery, you know, and whatever, who knows how soon they would start seeing the, the effects of the rest of the world reaching their doorstep. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things of like, you know, the Western world has never seen like war on their doorstep, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's one of those, you don't clock it until it's there. So yeah, don't get me wrong, you can have your players play in a bakery and have some fun. And like I said, you can have, you know, mimics in the bakery. You could have, you know, people attack the, you could have ghosts haunting the bakery, you know, whatever. You could have, make it a really fun freaking bakery for your players. But eventually the stuff that's going on in the real world, like for most of us, will eventually affect you in some sort of way, whether that's a political move, a, uh, a new law that's passed, um, you know, a, a pandemic, for example, you know, uh, it, there's a mountain of different things that means that your players would then have to maybe consider moving into action or uh, changing their course a little bit um, and, 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 and moving, moving towards some sort of plot if they are stagnating a little bit in a, um, in a sandbox world. But also the reason I also really love sandbox for players is because it really allows um, the players to build as well. Like in some cases, yeah. if a DM is happy to allow players, and this is, this is not the case for every DM, some uh, Dungeon Masters, and we play with one who has a world that's been built and he knows every corner of that world. So us building stuff and adding things isn't always an option. Mm. Where for my world, I, I like to leave some things open and the players be able to create and 
devise their own ideas and, and build some of it with me. And I think it, it ends up becoming a much more uh, immersive and enthralling experience for the players because they've felt like it's it's something they own. Do you know what I mean? They become connected to, you know, this place, you know, the library that Lauren went to that she that was built for her, basically. Mm. I built it there on the spot. I, I improvised it, though it was in the city and it existed for hundreds of years before Lauren's character got there. Yeah. You know, I built that library for her and, you know, I asked her, she, she was asking me, oh, I, th I think I can see a restricted section in the back. And I'm like, oh, can you? Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there's yes, a sign, can. yeah. You know, and like, so it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's okay to allow your players to build stuff and grow because it will allow them to feel a little bit more connected with the world, um, especially if they're in a world where they can make all the decisions as well. It makes them feel even more in control of kind of uh, what's going on uh, in, in their direct uh, vicinity. Yeah, I would add as well, as I'm playing more, I'm starting to get this hypersensitive, I call it my anti-railroading radar. Mm. When I feel like I'm getting ra railroading, and I feel like it's getting more and more sensitive, like I, I, it, like it is something that's going on in my brain, and I'm like, mm, I don't like I'm pushing back on it a little bit, not like within the game, but you know, inside of me, I'm like, oh, here we go, I'm getting a little bit railroaded here, and I'm not enjoying this as much. Mm. And sandbox, you know, if it's structured as an open sandbox, then that takes away that that anti-railroading radar, radar, which is becoming, I think for me, a little bit of an issue when it's too much railroading and I just feel like... Um, There's we're no options. Yeah, dude, we're mar marching toward a defined, like... Death. You know, pre, <laughs> pre, yeah, predetermined, like, sometimes it's already predetermined whether you may live or die. Like, it literally can feel like that, you know? And, yeah. and uh, it's a, a little bit like a death march. So, with a sandbox, that just removes all that and it feels like I have a little bit more control, a little bit more autonomy of my existence of yeah. what I want to do. So there's loads of benefits for running Sandbox. It allows for wide creativity. It allows for the DM to really flex their improvisation. It allows you to have a really active world that is moving around your players. It allows the players to seek out the adventure that they want, as opposed to the idea of an adventure that you have as a DM that you think they might want. They will go and find the adventure that they want a lot of the time in mm. the Sandbox. So that's a really great way to do it. However, there are some things that kind of running sandbox can fall short of sometimes as well. And it's important to also address those with you guys so that you at least understand for when you're deciding what game you want to run uh, at your table. So, you know, some of the things that I definitely think are play against, you know, running a sandbox world is the fact that, um, you know, it's not the best for a stream. If you wanted to do a, a live stream that has some more serious themes and undertones and stuff, and, uh, and it, it, it can sometimes get a bit stagnant in streams and it can end up feeling a bit like grinding the gears because not much is happening. Um, and often, Tom and I have really found out that with streams, a plot is what draws viewers in. And if you don't have a strong plot and a strong thing to follow, that's why people lose interest in Critical Role for episodes and episodes at a time is because they feel like the, some of the downtimes or bits and bobs end up losing a bit of the traction and it kind of depletes a little bit. Um, so it's that, that feeling of like, I, I don't think sandboxes, not that they're not good for a stream because if you tailor it right and you have the right table and you have the right DM, exactly. it can be perfect for a stream. But I would say, uh, if I were to speak generally, um, it's not the best. I wouldn't say it's not, saying it's not the best is, is vague. I, I would say it's it's good when you have the right conditions for it. That's what I'm trying to say. With, within the right conditions, a sandbox can be good for a stream, but 
typically it's hard to amalgamate all those perfect conditions totally. for that is what, what I guess I'm trying to say. I'll give you an example. When, when I think of uh, watching a stream, I feel like I'm being entertained, right? I feel mm. like I could, the equivalent of watching a movie or a sitcom or something like that. So some sitcom situations, if they aren't driven by some sort of directive, some sort of main idea, some sort of topic for the sitcom, can feel a little bit slow, feel a bit less you know, popping for that episode or whatever. There are some exceptions though. So I'm thinking of Seinfeld, which was the, the, the underlying sort of premise of Seinfeld is we're not gonna fucking have anything going on. It's just a bunch of people kind of hanging out. And to some extent, um, uh, friends. Well, yeah, friends and also um, How I Met Your Mother mm. has a, an element of that as well. The reason those work though is because you have a cast that grows and changes. And their, their interactions are just so rich. So mm. unless you can capture a cast like that in a stream, That's a good point. You may run into a situation where you have a lot of dead time or a lot of people just like, you know, it just feels like there's very large elements of ebb and flow and a lot more ebb than flow. Mm. And that's what you need to be concerned about, I think, with a sandbox when you're streaming. I, I, I would 100% agree with that. I think that's a really, really good analogy and way to put it of, you know, you need a strong cast to then elevate that sandbox kind of feel. Um, and the other thing, you also need people who want to explore. Like if your players aren't explorers, if they're not mm. people that enjoyed the, 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 the pillar of exploration in D&D, as they call the, 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 the three pillars, um, you know, if they're not that group, then they're not going to enjoy a sandbox because sandbox is truly about exploring and getting to know the world around you and experiencing the, the, the place that you exist in. Um, as opposed to living through a plot and existing for a plot, do you know what I mean? And I think it's important not to be like sandbox snobs. Like yeah. whatever your table is, it is, right? Yeah. And so you craft a, a game and an environment and a setting and an and experience. It might be a mix of the two. It might be totally. sandbox and not sandbox. It might be a healthy combination of the two as well. Yeah, and if, you're, if your players strive and excel and blossom in combat, well then, you know, why, why try to make them into something they're not? Like maybe you try to, you know, you offer, offer little stretching opportunities, but if that's Some puzzles, a yeah. little bit of role play interaction stuff. Here's the thing that I would say is, you've got to keep it varied, but with at least, with what Tom's saying is really accurate. When you do a sandbox, you have to make sure that it suits the table. It's a big, important thing to discuss with the table before you run the game of, you know, do you guys want this to be something where you are completely open and making all the like fully like completely open world kind of thing or whether you want to um have you know some sort of plot that i run basically some sort of adventure you know that we're running a campaign you know um and i think like like we've said there's definitely pros there's definitely cons to it i think also uh, some of the other things are things like your players can become just directionless we've kind of mentioned that we've talked about you know loss of momentum and stagnation when it comes to sandbox is often a common occurrence that happens um and i'm not sure whether that comes down to lack of players wanting to like go out and do things or that comes down to a dm uh not having you know a, a enough ideas or running out of ideas burning out of ideas for you know one section of the world that maybe the players are staying in and not like going further from you know and stuff like that so i think it really does then come down to whether or not that ends up going well like like we've come back to is the table in itself uh, yeah i'll give you another analogy so let's say for example in our sandbox world we're on an island Mm. And we don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. So we're just screwing around on the island. You know, we surf, we do whatever, we, you know, we do barbecues. But the rest of the world 
has been created that there is climate change, right? And there's shit happening. As soon as we like discover that that setting is imposing itself on us, then we may be either forced or choose to take action on that. And yeah. so, you know, you want to you want to be feel free, but also I think from a DM's perspective, you want to create an environment where there is additional, whether it's political or some other driving energy. That's it's a world that's alive. Yeah. That's what you gotta think about is this is an organism. Your your world is not a thing on a piece of paper. It's something that will change actually through mm. time. For example, you know, uh, I love recently Matt Mercer released The History of Exandria. A lovely little video that talks about, you know, all the stuff that he's written from the beginning of stuff before the players were there through to, you know, the first campaign, the second campaign, and now in the third campaign. Mm. And it's across, you know, X amount of years. And I just really like that the world changed a lot. Things have changed. Kingdoms have risen. Empires have fallen. You know, dictators have taken over and then crumbled. And, you know, it's standard things that happen in the real world. And I think that is how you make a sandbox feel alive. And it's, it will also f not force your players, but encourage them to seek out some more of the world. If there is things like, you know, uh, political stuff happening, uh, you know, wars, um, you know, um, climate issues, no, weather natural things, natural occurrences, like, national you know, disasters, disasters, gods intervening with things, devils and stuff, you know, the fey wilds, the elemental planes, you know, all this stuff could be, dependent on how it interacts with your world, could affect those players in the situation that they're in. So, um, it's one to consider. Also, your players just being in the wrong place at the wrong time is always a fun way to start a little <laughs> bit of plot for them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you bump into this and it just so happens you're in the middle of like a mass trial and oh, this is going on and you just stumbled into the wrong building at the wrong time kind of thing, you know? Um, so what I guess we've come to um, at the end of this episode is basically... Well, yeah, there's, there's no preferences there. No. I mean, it's like whatever, whatever fits. What and suits also, your table? Also, balance, I think, is important. Yeah. If you're a sandbox person, great. That's awesome. Just make sure you keep balanced on, like, all the other things to consider. If you're not a sandbox person, that's cool as well. But just, you know, consider, like, you know, some players and some games don't thrive on just combat after combat, after mission after mission. So, after roleplay after roleplay after yeah. roleplay. Yeah, it, it needs to have some... It needs to be you know, laced in with some, some, creative, some creative exploration for the players. But yeah, guys, we hope this has helped you kind of think about whether or not to use a sandbox kind of world uh, setting in your, in your home game or your, your stream game. Um, we use a good mixture. Legitimately, I use like a healthy mixture at this point of, you know, a uh, heavy plot with, uh, with sandbox for the players. If they wanted to leave the plot that I've currently got them on and do something else, they're more than welcome to. But I also know the players that we have at the table enjoy the main plot that's going on right now. So they're, they're trekking forward with kind of the main plot. Uh, though they go and investigate and explore things, they very much are moving forward with the main plot because it's what you guys want to do. But if you guys wanted to open something else, we're also at the, a place where you definitely can. And I'm at a place where I'm comfortable enough as a DM to be like, sure, you don't want to do that. And okay, that, we'll, we'll see what happens in the background while things are going on, you know? It would inform us on other parts of our world, yeah. right? So if you want to go bump into some other stuff, okay, well, now we're going to have to really get down to, if it hasn't been made, creating yeah. all the different aspects of that other stuff that you are going to be living in. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, guys, um, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Homie and the Dude. We're a father and son TTRPG and MMA podcasting team. We also make uh, NPCs. We have a bunch of free ones that you can use in your game, uh, as well as a bunch of ones that you can plug and play. Now. 
The awesome thing about our NPCs is when we make the stat blocks, they work amazing as they're single NPCs. They have incredible unique features that we have invented for each character that are tailored specifically to them and their appearance and their abilities. Um, but furthermore, when you buy a pack of our NPCs, their abilities work in a synergistic way in of that you can combine abilities to create even more powerful ways uh, to go at your players or assist your players uh, during combats and uh, roleplay interactions and things like that. So uh, if you'd like to check out our website, it's homieandthedude.com. Um, other than that, subscribe to the YouTube, follow us on Twitter. Uh, best way to interact with us. We'll see you guys in the next one. Father and son, homie and dude. See ya. Later. We're out. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching Homie and the Dude today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, please hit us with the Holy Trinity. Go follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and like the Facebook. It's the best way that you can help us out at the moment. Hope you have an awesome day. Thanks for watching, guys.